0: Good evening. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. I want to thank Will Senott for joining me in the first hour. And now we've got another uh, New Bedford wonderkind,
1: uh, Josh Amaral. Hey, Josh, how are you? Wow, quite the introduction. <laughs> I'm doing great, Marcus. And so, I'm thankful for the, the Will Sennott, uh, uh lead-in. You know, it's yeah. a really productive move into the 8 o'clock hour, so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Good. Um, so, Josh, uh,
0: you were a longtime member of the school committee. Uh, you are now... Um, the director of uh, housing and community development Did I get the department name, right? Yeah, that's us that's ha- it. housing and community development. Um, you took the job late last year.
1: Yeah, it was like December. Um, I, I started December 12th. How's it been going? It's been great. It's been great. We got a really, uh, really talented team over there. A mm-hmm. lot of cool stuff going on. Um, it's, it's uh, fundamentally similar to my work at, at PACE, which you know I focused a lot on housing issues there, basic needs programs and things like that. So over at uh, the Office of Housing and Community Development we we fund a lot of those things with the federal funds that come through the city. Um, we sort of administer the, the, the city's homelessness programs, and um, we're a driving force in, in the, the, the housing. Um, in, t- in tackling housing problems, like I'm here to talk about today, so it's been great. The team is really talented. They've been really welcoming of, of me, and um, I think because of my experience with city government in the past, uh, it's been it's been a pretty seamless transition. So, Josh,
0: you um, you, to that point, where you were talking about uh, you you released you and, and well, the Mayor Mitchell's office released a 22 point house, uh, housing plan. Which uh, he's entrusted to uh, to you to uh, administer and uh, be the point person on. Um, so, just in broad strokes, what what is uh, what is the um, the comprehensive housing plan? Uh, just more broadly, what's the what's
1: the goal? Yeah. So, um, a lot of talk in the community really over the last couple of years, I would say, about mm-hmm. housing, and uh, I was. I was sort of on the other side of it as a nonprofit advocate for, for a while and uh, long thought that it would be beneficial for the city to sort of articulate its views on housing and, and what it's doing to uh, mitigate the housing shortage and, and crisis um, uh, that we experience locally, regionally, statewide, et cetera. And so um, uh, it's an honor to be in, entrusted with the responsibility of doing some of this stuff by the administration and Mayor Mitchell and um, excited that he sees it the same the same way. So... Uh, it was important to him that we we get a plan out there that really articulates the full range of things that city government um can try to impact to remedy this problem for people
0: and some of this is work that you guys were already doing, but you wanted to
1: sort of put together in a sort of digestible um format right yeah some of it 's not um some of it 's not particularly new i think we 're maybe accelerating the way that we do it or um where Fast tracking the way that we do things, uh, so I, I would say that the the general gist of it is uh, we see across the country research is pretty compelling on this that uh, housing affordability issues are a function of us of a supply and demand problem. Sure. So rents go up when units are scarce. All across the country, Massachusetts and New Bedford are, are, are all are all in the same boat where vacancy. Uh, is extremely rare among among rental units. So we've pinpointed that as the problem, and so the solution to that is to provide more units. So there's a consensus, I think, uh, broadly across the community that the answer to this problem is to build more units. So how do we do that? Um, one, I, you know, I think we have to recruit developers. We have to we have to stimulate that kind of investment in the city. Okay. Uh, but beyond that, we have to remove red tape, remove any barriers that are, are uh, getting in the way of that problem. And then to the extent that it takes time to build units, to get those units to come online... Uh, there are some things we can do in the short term to try to try to help people live, you know. Um, when you said remove red tape, what do you mean? Yeah, so um, different places have different timelines for development. So if uh, if you, Marcus, wanted to develop an apartment building in New Bedford, how long would it take from the time you basically put that idea into motion to the time where we're cutting a ribbon and people are moving in? Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases, that, that could take years. That could take three, four, five, six years. Uh, I, I think we don 't have that much time to solve the problem, so uh, can we save you time on on permitting? Can we make sure that your site is permitted right away um, rather than you having to go to six or seven meetings and and carry the expense of buying this property and, and developing it over time? Uh, can we work out as many kinks as possible on the front end uh, to make it a little bit easier for you to to get your project moving that benefits all of us um, and there are some some pretty common sense things that we can do to kind of move those things along. Um, we want developers. I find, right? So time is money to people who build construction projects. And so the more you can do to sort of assure them that, um, that the project is going to be, uh, the timeline is going to be predictable and consistent, and, uh, you can count on it getting done in a relatively short amount of time. So in the plan, we say that, you know, large scale multifamily housing developments should be permitted within 90 days. Um, we've had some examples that are much longer than that. So um, we have to figure out how we can guide people through the the process. And so part of my role in this will be um, helping to guide those developers through the process and sort of advocating for them to be successful. Um, I think that's a model that's worked well in other places. And I I look forward to to that role here.
0: Can that be done um, just solely through you know the executive branch. Do you need the help of uh, the city council to do something like
1: that? There are some things in the plan that we we propose that will will certainly require collaboration with with the city council. Um, one of the things we say in here is we want to take a look at the way that site plan review is done in the city. So there's a planning board process that weighs a variety of factors. Um, all of those things may be important to the look and feel and aesthetic of a neighborhood. So I don't you know I don't, we we can't afford to be um, too short with them, right? But is there a way that we can revamp that process to make things a little bit quicker. Can we get you building permits faster? Um, as far as the council's concerned, uh, there's a few things in there about, um, parking requirements. Uh, currently for a multifamily housing development, you need to have two spaces per apartment, right. um, in places like with ready access to the, to the coming train or to other public transportation options or a lot of studio apartments or one bedroom apartments where we don't expect that residents are going to have many cars. Um, can we, can we do less than that? Um, because if you take like two parking spaces, that could be the equivalent of an extra apartment. So I talked to a developer earlier in the week who, who was, uh, trying to plan out a project with about 80 units. And he said, if that's true, if you reduce it from two to say one and a half per, uh, one and a half parking spaces per unit, I could probably add 10 more units to my project. That's what we want. Wow.
0: Um, so Uh, We're speaking with Josh Amaral. He's the director of housing and community development. Um, Just going back to, you said, revamp the process with the planning board. Are you looking to um, reallocate some of their
1: uh, responsibilities under city code? I think there are some things that we can look at doing um, administratively. Um, but that, that really re- requires a whole review of, of just the process and talking to all the stakeholders involved to figure that out. But, um, another thing that's come up as, as a suggestion, uh, in a lot of different places is the use of accessory dwelling units. So the idea that you'd use like an outbuilding or a, an attic or a basement and convert that into somewhere where maybe Shane, a- Shane Burgo came in to talk, talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think it's a fantastic idea now, um, I think being realistic, there's not, you know, it's, it's not going to solve our problem. It might be like a hundred, a hundred units that we could add, right? Sure. But a hundred units is a hundred units. Of course. Um, and so in the grand scheme of things, um, everything we can do around the margins is, is worth considering. So I think the, that's really the, the overall thrust of the plan is if we can add a hundred units, 200 units and big developments here and there, great. If we can add 10 or 20 over here, fine, let's do it. We need to do it every way we can. Speaking with Josh Amaral, uh, we're
0: talking about the the comprehensive housing plan that um, he's taking point on as the director of housing and community development uh, in the city. So one of the um, things I talked, I talked about this uh, with Lieutenant Governor uh, Driscoll, actually, and, and Mayor Mitchell. Um, one of the things that's uh, involved in this is is uh, uh, HDIP. I know uh, Tony Cabral's got a bill to expand the HDIP. I know Maura Healy wants to quintuple it. Um, what, what type of role do you see the... What is the HDIP? What type of role do you see it playing in, in this uh, in this process?
1: Yeah, so HDIP is uh, it's a state tax credit program. It's a housing development incentive program. And the intent of it is really designed for cities just like New Bedford, where... And, and this point's been made on your airwaves, so I won't belabor it, but... Uh, Go ahead. In essence, the people cons- forget the construction costs. Uh, to, to build one unit of housing in New Bedford costs about half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, if you calculate out the amount of rent that that unit will generate over the lifespan of financing the project, it's not particularly close. Sure. Uh, a program like HDP comes in where we want developers to develop those projects, but somebody has to has to help them with the cost, or else it's not going to work. There's no money to be made. Um, They don't even break even. So HDIP is a way to incentivize development in cities that have um, housing markets that are a little bit different, a lot different than um, Boston, for example. So in Boston, a developer is going to make many times over their investment when they develop market rate housing in a place like New Bedford, not so. So HDIP is a state tax credit program um, that I think we could make better use of here in New Bedford. In the program's history, New Bedford's, um, you set a zone and and this is sort of the area where you want to stimulate investment. So early on when the program was new, New Bedford settled on the downtown. We said we'd like to have some more housing development downtown. That's our dip zone. Um, and then in the course of that time, from then until now, there's only been one development that meets the criteria for that program and is applied. And it's the one at the bottom of Union Street. That's the, where the National Club was. Okay. Now, because the program is out of money, and Governor Healy and Lieutenant Governor Driscoll proposed to fix that, Um, by clearing the backlog and allocating more money to that, which would probably help that project along significantly. um, New Bedford's never had an HDIP uh, uh, project. So a community like Haverhill has done, I think, eight or nine. And they've been able to bring in millions and millions of dollars like that. So one of the ways that we're trying to improve that is we've applied to... New Bedford's a way better city than Haverhill too. I agree. I agree. (laughs) So uh, one of the ways that we can do that. I think that'll, that'll help us. Uh, and the the city council was supportive of this recently is, uh, we've submitted a new application to the state department of housing and community development, uh, to expand our HDIP zone to the whole city, right? So, uh, any corner in New Bedford, uh, would be eligible for that. So if we have a development that fits the criteria for the program, we'll put it forward or help the developer put it forward. And, uh, hopefully they can work that out.
0: So the H dip zone, I'm sorry, you might've said this, is it still going to be downtown, the downtown area? It'll be the whole city from, uh, so you can just
1: make it the whole city. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, like, you know,
0: why did, why did they make it downtown?
1: It's like, yeah, like why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box, You know, yeah. yeah. I think that's a that's a more recent development where cities figured out you could do that. Good. Yeah. yeah, originally it was uh, it was you couldn't. I think you had to pick yeah. a radius, and now you can now you can make every yeah. every zone. It, each it underscores zone. the the point of this plan though, and sort of the approach that we're taking, which is like let's not leave any stone unturned. Yeah, let's uh, let's figure out. What we can do to to position ourselves well to be ahead of the game on housing development? So that's one of the things we can do. Uh, big believer in that program. Uh, Representative Cabral actually wrote a great uh, op-ed uh, over the weekend. Commonwealth Magazine. It was in Commonwealth. I think it was in Bedford Light as well. Um, uh, sort I of didn't read it yet. the virtues. Yeah, I'm sorry. There, there's some. There's some. Um, <laughs>
2: There's a conversation more.
1: about that at the state level because in some corners of the state it, 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 it's a little counterintuitive. It makes sense in a place like New Bedford. it mm-hmm. makes place in a, it makes sense in other gateway cities. Um, there's a lot of housing advocates up in Boston proper that are like kind of scratching their head why would we, give, why would we help developers you know with, with these kinds of projects they should be making money themselves right We, we usually yeah. give money to, um, to subsidize those apartments in this case we don't. Uh, Why would we do that? But I I think you really have to understand the nuances of the new Bedford development market. It's key here. And um, a project could get up to two million dollars right now. I think they want to raise the cap to five. Um, Those still don't really close the gaps entirely. So it's just one tool. So uh, we're speaking with Josh Amaral. Uh, If you want to call in, you can at 508-996-0500. As soon as I said that, there was a caller. That's pretty good. Though. I
0: spoke it into existence. I know there has been
1: a lot of talk on the airwaves today about this, but um, but the the phone is really a sight to behold. This is like a <laughs> it's, it's, like a like an original quite Nintendo. A
0: it really is. I you know when the engineer brought it forward, I'm like, I like the aesthetics of it. That's about it.
1: It's kind of retro. Yeah, like something new would look like that as like a yeah. gag, you know. Yeah, when you said
0: Nintendo, uh, this was probably built around the same time the original Nintendo came out. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah.
2: Good evening. You're live hello mr Amaral. hey uh i i i'm guessing i might agree with you on on just sort of the overall approach here but i'm kind of curious like can you walk me through just kind of how we ended up in the place did with how hard housing is to build in new bedford because and i guess cities across across the country because to my mind like when when new bedford was really rich off textiles and whaling and everything else like i don't think The mansions on County Street needed a bunch of permits to get pulled. Like, I don't think the triple deckers or the duplexes in the North End. Like, I don't think they needed to go before a planning board for five months. Like, how did we even end up in this place where, you know, um, there are just so many layers of big government, everyone getting a say. People like home builders needing a lawyer just to build a duplex. Like, like how did we even end up here? Because to me, it seems totally crazy that folks can't just build what they want on the land that they own.
1: Yeah, I I actually, I appreciate the point. I think um, I would love to see like that retrospective on like New Bedford housing over time. Um, We call it out a little bit in the introduction to the plan. So I would encourage you to check it out for sure. But um, there's a section in it. I I have it before me, some statistics that are kind of interesting. So across the United States, uh, there was a report recently done uh, by a, a group called Up for Growth and uh, they say that the United States needs 4 million more housing units than it currently has to meet the needs of residents across the country. Massachusetts is short over 100,000 units itself. Um, and those numbers have doubled over the course of the last decade. And there was a piece in the New York Times recently uh, kind of getting at that. The headline was The Great Construction Mystery. And it's, it's how basically the economy in the United States is three times as productive as it was in 1970 but it's actually less productive in terms of construction. And I think some of that is what you articulate. Uh, there's red tape associated with, with permitting, with, um, with job safety requirements, with reporting. And, um, it's not to say that those things aren't, aren't necessary, right? You know, I'm sure work, work is a much, uh, construction work is much safer than it once was. I'm sure, you know, we should be taking all those precautions, but they all do add some time. Additionally, we, we take a focus on, on the region and, uh, this isn't, you know, isolated just the southeastern Massachusetts by any stretch, but, um, but there are sort of a million veto points that are built in between government boards and local opposition that can. Chris McCarthy in talked about that. Way.
0: Uh, when Chris McCarthy talked about that, he was a selectman in Freetown. Yeah. The, one of the veto points was they could, they couldn't stop a housing development, but they could stop a sewer line, which meant yeah. the housing development wasn't buildable without the extra sewer line.
1: So. I think in, in some of it could be summarized as, you know, everybody wants housing to be more affordable. But everybody wants their house to be more expensive over time as a homeowner, yeah. right? And those two things are um, not necessarily in, aligned with each other, right? There's a, there's a scarcity that we've introduced into the housing market at times that, um, that produced some of these problems. And uh, I think we've, we've, we've lost the ability to develop not just in New Bedford but as a country that we, uh, we once had in a much stronger way.
2: Yeah, but I don't totally understand that because I'm some of the same folks in the city council that are always going on about taxes – the same people that like killed the Phillips Avenue school a few years ago, which would have taken a property off the school department rolls and put it on the tax rolls. I feel like the more buildings mm-hmm. there are, the less everyone has to pay in taxes. That's the part I don't really understand.
1: You're right. I, 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 uh, I've gotten a lot of inquiries about the Phillips Ave school and there's no current proposal to develop that, but I would love to see that come back around as a potential for housing development. And I think the, uh, the, the sort of the tone of the conversation about housing. I think we're at a, a, a much more of a crisis point than we were uh, when that unfolded a few years ago. And I think you've seen the council recently be very supportive of housing development and, and tackling this problem. So my hope is that uh, we would, we would, we would uh, have more success next time.
0: All right. Thanks for, thanks for talking to me. Have thanks nice. for the call. Thanks yeah. for the call. Hey, we've got a few calls on the line. If you want to just hold, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is South Coast tonight. Welcome back. Uh, Josh, we've got some calls. Let's get to them. Good evening.
3: Good evening, Chris and Marcus. Good evening. Um, You know, I'm catching uh, just a little bit of this show just now as I was walking in the house. And um, someone made a comment just a little while ago, I think the last caller, about uh, why do we have zoning? Why do we have rules? Well, we need them because um, we need them for safety. And um, I I think of... um, New, new bedford how close these tenements were i'm sure the zoning I, i'm sure there were no rules at, at one point in time it wasn't like it was today for populations of people That's a good point. so though, those are important i kind of was um driving through the, the city i see a lot of housing tons of it. but if it could be put into the um an ownership of people uh yep. they look in disrepair i don't know who owns them there doesn't seem to be any commitment to, like, take care of it. Like, when you own something, you want to take care of it. And um, in some parts of, of the country, there's companies buying in the Sunbelt sun area houses, like neighborhoods, just buying them all up and making them just for rent. So um, yeah. I, I would hate to see that. But and, and this is kind of a crazy idea, but really, suppose we gave uh, a family... That wants to move m- move in let's say young people and they and and you know they, they uh, us, a way of being committed to, to the area suppose we gave them fifty thousand off their house would it be so bad if they lived in it for 10 years if they became part of the community mm-hmm. if they owned it if they put their parents in it like especially a multi-family like I'd love to see families
1: live in those again, like yeah. they used to. I have I have just the uh, I have just the solution for you. Um, what? So in our plan, <laughs> in our plan, it was from your, from your mouth to I'm our ears. ears. Um, in our plan, we so we, my office, the, the office of housing and community development has has long offered a first time homebuyer program. Um, uh-huh. What we propose in this plan is to use some of the city's federal uh, ARPA resources to uh, sort of Im- Im- you know, sort of improve the offer for-, for that program. So what we're proposing here is that we would help someone with up to 5% of the purchase price of a one to three family home that mm-hmm. has to be someone's primary residence. So it can't be like an investment. You got to live there. Um, mm-hmm. And this would be up to a maximum benefit of $40,000. Um, and this wouldn't preclude you from taking advantage of other first time homebuyer programs and things like that. So there was a really successful program offered by an agency called mass housing, uh, last year, uh, that was immediately oversubscribed. They call it the mass dreams program. And there were some people who were able to take advantage of that and some other first time homebuyer programs. And they got like fifty, sixty thousand $60,000, like you're saying to help them move into that house and, uh, build equity in the house and, and, um, you know, you think that those people will pass along the units in an affordable way to their tenants and they take better care of their properties generally than, than investors and in properties that are not owner occupied. So we absolutely see the benefits of that. We also have a, we also propose, uh, increasing our funding for, uh, we have, we have an emergency repair program that helps people with like emergency needs where, um, you might have, a. uh, uh, a, a roof issue with water get into your house, or you might have some kind of interior uh, issue that's really uh, getting in the way. So we have a few financial assistance programs that we use. We've got another that's about housing accessibility. So if you have a loved one, for example, that uh, suddenly needs like a, like a handicap ramp or uh, other accessibility features added into the home, we can, we can help with some of the costs of that. So... On the bigger scale, we want to see housing development. We want to put more units online and and try to make housing a little bit more affordable by increasing the supply. But in the meantime, we also want to help people with, uh, with some of those programs. I also don't want to lose sight of your earlier point about zoning and planning and things like that. Absolutely agree. They're very important. And in New Bedford, we take a lot of pride in the physical appearance of our city uh, the, the, the planning efforts that, that come to. And I think there's a a, sort of a palpable sense that when you drive through the city of New Bedford, um, you're driving through a place that's, that's thought out, that looks good. And, uh, everything really looks better now than it ever has. Other communities, not so much the case. So we don't want to lose that in any, by any stretch of the imagination, but we do want to be thoughtful about not creating more barriers for housing development. So, uh, you know, we got to thread that needle. There's going to be a happy medium between all those outcomes, but, uh, but definitely appreciate your sentiments.
3: I would love to see um well the multi-family it was particularly for your family like your grandmother the whole family could, could li- live in it it would solve some social problems like the grandmother the middle-aged people the people with the young couple everybody's caring for each other
1: yeah i, I grew up in a house like that
3: was, yeah of three family of you know um uh, multiple f- families and there was a sense of unity uh, people had pride. They all shared the same tax bill. Um, there were three sisters that had a three-family, and they <laughs> definitely did not want to live with each other in the same yeah. space. Well, yeah, appreciate a your thoughts. Family.
0: Yeah, thank, Th- thank you so yeah. much. Thank, thank you. Appreciate the call. Good evening.
4: Uh, do you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, so that uh, I really appreciate these last two callers. So that's a really important aspect of uh, how we, you know, uh, reinvigorate the uh, the older buildings. Uh, you know, it's been done for a while. So they used to have a thing called sweat equity. Yeah. So you would get a low, uh, very low, you know, when interest rates were high in the 80s, they came up with this program. I think it was funded federally in by the state. And you would, you were locked into ownership before you could sell for a while. And you've got a very low interest loan. Do, do,
0: you, do you, you, uh, you, we got, we got credit, some-
4: You got credit for- We, we you know, got some calls and that. app
0: chat messages. Do you have a question for Josh about about the housing plan?
4: Uh, well, I I, I I think I think those programs to get people into ownership are important. And then the, the alternative is if you don't do this, you get landlords to try to squeeze as many people as they can and we have the result of,
1: you know, tragedy like on a push.app. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. I th- we think we agree with you and, and thank you for your support. Appreciate the call.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, 508-996-0500. We had some uh, app chat messages and stuff, too, we're going to get to in a second. But I wanted to give you an opportunity, Josh, if we didn't cover something that you wanted to talk about. Uh, to talk about that. Um, some points of emphasis that you wanted to make.
1: Yeah, well, I'll go through, you know, so again, the, this plan, uh, it's called Building New Bedford Strategies to Promote Attainable Housing for All in a Thriving New Bedford. I call it the Amaral Plan. I don't know if that's appropriate. <laughs> uh, building New Bedford, these strategies. Um, but uh, but it, it, it really, it, it's really divided up into uh, six key areas. So, uh, I, I would encourage anybody to go and, and check it out. It's on it's online. It's on the city website. It's on the Office of Housing and Community Development website. Um, and those six buckets are facilitating new housing production across income levels. That's definitely number one. Uh, making use of existing housing stock and space. So we've got a lot of vacant buildings. We have um, vacant commercial space, vacant residential space. We've got old school buildings. We've got uh, city-owned parcels that are are just kind of sitting there. Um, let's figure out how we can maximize the use of those and, and get housing units into play in those places most in most cases it's it's quicker uh, it's a little bit cheaper to get those places developed than it is um to build up from from the ground up or or uh, or to acquire new space so let's let's make the most of that promoting home ownership and independent living to the last couple of callers points that's got to be a a priority updating the regulatory framework that's when you get into all the zoning planning permitting um, what are the red tape type things that we could be, we could be helping developers get over those hurdles, uh, establishing a regional approach on housing issues. That's, that's an important one. Maybe we could touch on that a little bit more and then addressing housing instability and homelessness. So, uh, unfortunately a lot of the, uh, sort of interventions and policies that we propose, uh, will take some time to implement. We know that there are people struggling today with housing, you know, affordability issues and things like that. So how can we help them, you know, stay stably housed and, and, uh, get connected with the right programs. So,
0: Josh, um, I'm gonna, what we'll do is we'll take a break. Uh, and then I got a few questions. If you can handle them, that's what I'm here for. Download the WBSM app and listen to us everywhere. One's on the left, left the other on the right. right. In the with you. But they're both ready to call it right down the middle. More of Marcus and Chris on South Coast tonight here on WBSM. Hey, so, Josh, one of the um, well, one of the I have got some app chat messages. We're gonna get to them in a minute. Uh, thank you for app chatting as well. One of the things that's really important is I think that will it was it was I think an important component in this. And uh, there are some people I think you know both Mayor Mitchell, members of the council, said this that the Community Preservation Act and that money is really important and it plays a, a it plays a, a, a role in your in your housing plan. Um can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah,
4: absolutely. Oh
0: yeah, that's the wrong mic.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, you got to I'll be good at this one day. Just I mean it it um, it reminds me Marcus, of one of the last times I was here with you, I think I think about 8 minutes into the show we were preempted by a college football game. So we finished so, the hour. So, so Yeah. I remember that actually. Just a quick <laughs> little story. Uh
0: I didn't know about this. No one told me, but uh, you know, we have to air football games sometimes uh, uh on Saturdays. And so you were here from like 4 to you were here from like four to four forty-five, but from four thirty to four forty-five, <laughs> there was just nothing on the on the air. I was I was usurped by the college
1: football, and then somewhere you, j- there's a great fifteen-minute lost tape you, you, segment that we recorded. And so you, you, you know, it's a no said, it's the lost tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that heading in, but but yeah. a, 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 anyway, very important: uh, 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 the Community Preservation Act. Um, you know, I think there's been a lot of discussion in the context of the ballot questions about the value mm-hmm. of the Community Preservation Act and how it's leveraged. You know, a lot of state money and and contributed to a lot of a lot of great projects. Uh, the Community Preservation Act is uh, basically spread over three different categories of project. One is uh, historic sort of preservation, historic resource, open space and recreation, and then there's community housing. Mm-hmm. And so. The way that the CPA has historically worked is the minimum that you have to allocate to each of those three categories is 10%. Mm-hmm. The rest is sort of unallocated and can go to any category. Yeah. So what we propose in the plan, and this requires collaboration of a few different layers of government because it's not strictly under the control of the administration. It's, there's a community preservation committee, um, and then the city council votes on the projects as well. But what we're calling for in the plan is that the Community Preservation Committee would set aside 20% rather than the minimum 10% mm-hmm. for the purpose of community housing. And I, I think this really draws into focus that uh, the CPA is a valuable tool for increasing uh, housing units and, and and the affordability of housing units. So there is an income restriction on the units that are created through the CPA, which is about 100% of, it is 100% of the area median income. So... Um, so you, you have to meet the income guidelines to live in a unit that was created with CPA funding or received CPA, CPA funding. And we see a lot of projects that might have a gap of, you know, I don't know, $100,000, $200,000 that need that are needed to make them go. And so uh, the Community Preservation Act could be used to close some of those gaps for developers and, and create affordable units for New Bedford residents. Uh, you know, what more could you want? so. Um, I think it's a valuable tool and I, I think using it increasingly for housing is something that uh, we've heard from, from advocates in the community is something that the city should look at. And so I'm glad that it made it into the plan. So um,
0: you're, you're a taxpayer in the city. Is it made a, taken a major hit in your tax bill, the, the CPA?
1: I don't know the exact, I, I think there was some research, it might've been a few years ago that said like the average tax bill r- r- resulting from it is like, like $40 a year or something yeah, like exactly, that. And, yeah. Um, you know, I'm sensitive to the fact that, you know, you know, nobody likes to see their tax bill go up. But I think if you lose the Community Preservation Act, um, you're liable to see your taxes go up even more because there are some city-funded projects that are assisted by the Community Preservation Act. So exactly. it's not necessarily a, um, a trade-off that uh, you walk away from. Sometimes, you know, I've heard the expression, you sort of step over dollars to pick up pennies. And uh, this is a case where the 1.5% surcharge that comes with the CPA uh, seems like it might provide some relief to taxpayers, and, and to an extent it would, but there would be other costs that would offset it. So it's a little bit more complicated. Once you factor in the state dollars that come down to match, I think um, I think the program has proven to be pretty valuable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I think anybody with uh, – I think their head on straight would agree uh, with you as well. Um, unfortunately, I think there's some people – in the city government and elected positions that uh, don't fall into that category. So um, so, so, Josh, uh, someone's asking, uh, we got a Nap chatter from Washington, D.C. Um, says the city talks about, all, about helping all these developers build housing. How can we help the mom and pop landlords, quote, mom and pop landlords, invest and play a ma- minor major role in city development?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think there are some things we can do to, to streamline uh, and, and make life a little bit easier for, for those sorts of developments as well and uh you know by by no stretch are our sights set necessarily on developers that are outside the city uh the focus in the plan on larger multifamily developments is you know that's just the quickest way to solve the problem so you know if you if you get a developer that wants to take on a mill building and put 200 units in it um that adds up a little bit quicker than three units here and there but that's not to say that we don't value the uh the impact of smaller developers in some cases and we call this out in the plan too um we we want to incentivize and increase the number of smaller developers we have uh, in particular non-profit developers because there are some sites that are not particularly lucrative development opportunities but could be developed nevertheless. So a vacant parcel for example, we have a lot of neighborhoods that might have um like a triple decker, there's a vacant lot and then another triple decker on the other side. Mm-hmm. What would it take to get a triple decker up there in the middle? Um, yeah. some zoning changes, some zoning relief because uh while once upon a time you could build those three houses there, one was torn down. And, uh, the current zoning doesn't allow you to build a house of the same size on that lot, even though it would fit perfectly. So we got to change that. We got to, we got to uh, try to, try to, try to facilitate that, but that's not a particularly lucrative development. So my out, out of town, you know, housing development firm is not like eager to do those projects, but smaller, uh, local developers are, we have the state receivership program also, which, uh, takes like sort of the dilapidated. I did a
0: receivership pro- house actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So some of those are, um, are also great. And, and you can work with local developers. Yeah. Um, they don't have to be nonprofits. They could be small contractors and things. And um, we've, we've seen a number of houses restored to productive use. And there are a lot of houses in the city that, whether they meet the criteria for that program or not, might be sitting there tied up in probate. And just, you know, we could get them back and somebody living in that house tomorrow, uh, not, not tomorrow, but in a short period of time, with a concerted effort to uh, And there are stewardship
0: projects that take CPA funds as well. So that's, that's I, right. think it's, I think it's an important point to make. All right, let's, we're going to take uh, another break. Hey, welcome back. Let's go to the phones.
4: Good evening. Hello? Hey. Hello? Hey. Hello? All right, hi. Uh, first, I want to lord you, uh, Josh, I read the read. George, is that you? Yes. Hey, George. I read the 32-page report, and it has uh, all kinds of things to help out.
1: You talked about a lot of this at our forum.
4: Well, one could... Um, well, that, that was a good forum, too. Thank you. Um, a lot of it depends upon collaboration and cooperation and uh, proper referrals between all the agencies involved, which you did a great job of summarizing them. And uh, I can only hope that they can do that without having to hire extra staff, uh, not one uh, Um, Tim's show on Wednesday, I asked the mayor if he he had any idea of how many evictions to expect since the uh, uh, COVID moratorium on uh, evictions expired last day of the month previous, and uh, did he have any uh, contact with the uh, housing court? Uh, How many judges are there? What do they expect? What can we expect in terms of um, evictions coming and uh, then after you respond to that, I'd like to ask you about um, the housing forum at UMD, April twelfth, yeah. three to five in the library there, with uh, Keating uh, hosting it, and what um, proposals or questions you would have for the for the panel there.
0: What about the library, yeah. the, the forum at UMass Dartmouth? I know uh, Councilor Bergo told us about that with the home group with him and, and Carl Alves. So. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, so just, I mean, we'll, uh, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. George, thank you for the call. Um, I was, I was hoping you'd be listening. I, I hope you, um, it'd be great if you reach out to my office cause I'd, I'd love to sit down with you and hear some more of your thoughts and get engaged with some of the, some of the groups and stuff that we've got going on. Cause I, I think you're, you're sharp on it and I appreciate your uh, contributions to it. But, um, yes. So, uh, next week, April 12th from three to 5 PM at UMass Dartmouth, there's a, an affordable housing forum. It's going to feature, uh, Congressman, uh, Bill Keating and also uh, Regional Administrator of HUD, uh, Juana Matias. She's a former state representative. She was appointed by uh, President Biden to this role at HUD. They oversee uh, a lot of the work of of our office. Um, Thankfully, we're gonna have an opportunity earlier in that day to celebrate uh, National Community Development Week with with her and and the Congressman as well. And um, looking forward to that conversation. Um, I will be there. I, I don't have a speaking role necessarily, but I'll be there to listen and and take notes and think about it. Um, if I had some some input on it, I would say, you know, how does this how does how do we tackle this problem as a region? So uh, we call this out in the plan as well. But right now, New Bedford has uh, something like ninety percent of the region's rental housing. Uh, New Bedford has. Uh, something like less than, slightly less than half of the region's population yeah. of Greater New Bedford, but um, I think like eighty percent of the uh, sort of low-income population within the within the the, the 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 boundaries. And so, it's just saying, you know, we're not running from that. We're not trying to change the dynamics necessarily, but um, but because New Bedford is the center of housing and particularly low-income, affordable housing, uh, and has taken that mantle over time. We do think that the towns and the state agrees with us, the MBTA Communities Act and some of those 40B chapters, uh, chapter uh, law, um, some of those things are, are imposing some new uh, rules on towns. And uh, so I would ask HUD and, and the congressmen on their views on that because I think it's a problem that's shared not just by New Bedford, but by New Bedford, Dartmouth, Kushner, Fairhaven, and so on and so forth. And that's a problem across the state. It's a problem across the country. But I think we have the ability to sort of set our own destiny as a, as a city, uh, as a region, and uh, we can come up with that and decide our own fate rather than leaving it to state officials to decide what's good for us. On the first point, yes, concerned about evictions. We have a number of agencies. We have some more money going out uh, in terms of rental assistance. That's one of the things we touch on in the plan. Um, that doesn't cure everything, but if you're facing an eviction because of non-payment of rent because you lost your job during the pandemic or you've had some other hard times since then, uh, we want to make sure that you're not going to face uh, on-street homelessness and uh, you're going to be able to be diverted into either a new unit or you're going to be able to pay the back rent at your unit. Um, we've tracked the housing court movement very closely. It seems like the housing court in our region has been a lot more active. So I don't think the backlog of evictions is as severe as it is up in the greater Boston area, because uh, fortunately, unfortunately, our court's been moving those evictions along during the pandemic regardless. But um, there's been some coverage on that. But uh, but we'll be we'll be following that very closely. So I appreciate the, the mention of it. So Josh,
0: um, we got a few minutes, um, anything else that we might've left out, anything else you want to mention? Where can, how can people contact, uh, your office?
1: Yeah. So, um, we're on the city website. Uh, I find sometimes the best, best way to find us is to Google, you know, New Bedford office, of housing community development. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's right there on the, on the city website. You can call us at five zero eight. 1500 as well. It's the best way to get in touch with us if you want to access some of those financial assistance programs or uh, find out more or you know ask me a question directly. You don't have to wait till I'm on the radio a couple times a year. You can just give me a call. Or send oh, I'd me like email. to have
0: you on more, Josh. If yeah, you, if no, I was able to.
1: Always willing to. Um, and I would say this: um, if you are listening somewhere, and every day you look outside your window and you see like some some vacant building and uh, it 's just sitting there, and it could be used for housing. Grab a hammer, some nails <laughs> <laughs> before you do that. make sure you get a permit but uh, But I would reach out to us. Let me know what what's, what' what you think could be developed out there it's a it 's a small city, but it 's a big city, and uh, I spend a lot of time just driving around and kind of like looking and seeing what we could do and there's some hidden gems out there, uh, particularly in the areas that are soon to be connected to the to the train routes. Um, so I think, you know, we want to make sure that we're doing development in a smart way and we're protecting the, the needs and, and interests of new Bedford residents. Um, but we also want to make sure we're adding to our housing supply and, and uh, developing everything that we possibly can to, uh, to impact this problem. Affordability comes through putting more units on the market. It's just that simple. If you want more affordable housing, we need more units. Tenants have more options. Uh, landlords are not able to charge the same premium if their tenants have options, and that's how you level this thing out. We got to get this thing uh, balanced out and 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 make make sure that the city remains livable, uh, or becomes livable for 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 all of its residents. Wow, oh, it very nice. Um, yeah, I
0: I'd like to. You know, if you if you'd like to come on more, you're always you're always welcome on the program. If I knew this was going to be a, a twice a year event, I would have I would have made a, a bigger deal of it. You know, well, I'm a, I'm a but big streamers. fan of the program.
1: I'm listening, you know, I listen all the time. I appreciate it. I follow the lore of the show. You know, <laughs> the
0: lore, the, yeah. You know, the he, Billy well, Josh, winners of
1: the world. Josh, yeah, Josh. Um, Josh
0: brought donuts. He's following in the footsteps of Mayor Scott Lang, so we really appreciate.